0: One of the things that gathering in this place does for us is it provides a place of rest, a solace removed from the noise of the world. Today we're going to spend our time on The entire story of Solomon, we're gonna try at least. It's a big story. We're trying gonna try and look at the whole story of Solomon. And our reading is a big part of, of Solomon's story. And we turn to chapter three of First Kings, and this is what's written. Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of his father David only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places now it says that by the way just as an aside the high places were the remnant of the old pagan areas and he's doing that because there is yet to be a temple in Jerusalem for that to happen so the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and God said, ask what I should give you. Solomon said, You've shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in an uprightness of heart, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. So now, O oh Lord, my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father David. Although I'm only a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of the people whom you've chosen, a great people, so numerous. They cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God said to him, because you've asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, but have instead asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor all your life. No other king shall compare with If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. Then Solomon woke. It had been a dream. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. As we spend a moment in this story, O God, we learn more about Solomon's life, the conditions of it, may we in fact rediscover who you are, be reminded of who you are, and be comforted by who you are, that we may have hope in this broken world. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> Solomon had to grow up in the shadow of his father. He was the second born son of David. The first born son, Amnon, was the one who was to be king. He was the one in line to, to follow David as king. The only problem with that is, Amnon was killed as a young man and so that meant that now Solomon was to succeed King David. He grew up knowing that he grew up living in the shadow of his great dad. he grew up having to, to deal with all of that all these expectations that come along with growing up in the shadow of someone else he Those were the conditions placed upon his life. You had to hear about it all the time. You imagine, your dad is so great, they would tell him. He's the greatest king. He's unified the people. I know Solomon would say, oh, he's just like no king we've ever had before. He's put the people of God on the map. He brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. Yes, yes, I know Solomon would probably have said. If not out loud, he'd say it in his heart. They'd often follow that, I'm sure, with statements like, we sure hope that you're as good a king as your dad was. You've got some great big shoes to fill, young man. Yes, I know. what it's like to grow up always living in the shadow of someone else, feeling <clears throat> like the world is just pressing down on you, the weight of all this expectation. We know you'll be like your dad, got big shoes to fill that's what he grew up under. His father actually didn't help. Didn't help at all. As he got a little older, King David realized that, you know, he didn't have that much longer to live. So he calls Solomon into his room and he has a sit down with the next king, the future king. And he gives him all kinds of advice. Some of it, most of it's practical, just practical stuff, you know. Be strong, be courageous. Don't let these people fool you, you know, that kind of, you know, that stuff. And don't let them sway you and all that. And don't forget who our allies are. You've been watching me. We've been, I've been working hard to put this whole thing together. Build my temple for me. You know, I've been wanting to build a temple in Jerusalem. And that's what, you know, I just haven't been able to do it. I've been working to bring all these. Treat our allies like you would family All these practical things, these expectations that Solomon already knew, but it's good to be reminded. And then, though, David says the thing that Solomon never forgets. He closes in on him. You can almost feel it when you read that first part of Solomon's story in Kings. He closes in. He comes in. He looks him right in the eyes, and he says, but above all else, if you do nothing else, Walk in the way of the Lord as I have done. What a high bar to set. Walk in the way of the Lord, not just, you know, to the best that you can do, as I have done. Now, that's a biblical statement. You find that statement throughout Scripture. It's almost formulaic, you know. I mean, it's, Walk in the way of the Lord just as our ancestors had done. Just as Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and all of them walk in the way. You hear that statement, so it's no surprise that he says it. But some, somehow, when you read it in the context of this story, it feels personal. It feels like David is imparting this insurmountable condition. Upon Solomon. That he could never do it. I mean who could? Who could walk in the way of the Lord like David? I mean we're told all over. That David's closer to God than anybody else. I mean nobody. You know. They were like this. And yet there it is. The weight of it. Solomon's given. Follows him throughout the whole of his life. Shows up again today. Feels like God just does the very same thing. God appears to him in a dream, we're said. He's just become king. Appears to him in a dream. Almost like a genie. I don't know if we caught the feel of that. You know, it's like God kind of just pops out like a genie, like Aladdin. Solomon comes up, finds this lamp, rubs it, and poof, out pops God and says, ask for what you wish and I will grant it for you. You know, that kind of, that kind of feel to it. I don't know how it would sound for Robin Williams to voice God, but it would be funny. But this has that feel, that kind of back and forth, kind of Solomon meets genie God kind of thing, you know. Ask what you wish and I will give it. And you get to that part of the story and we read today and and you can't help but think that after all that Solomon has grown up under, here's his chance that he might be just this inkling of a oh, thought here's my chance. Here's my chance. I've had all these expectations around me. I don't get to say much of anything that I think oh, here's all this trying to do just what my dad did. They just want a clone of my father and all these conditions. Even my dad has this big expectation of me after he's long been gone. And I, Here's my chance. Anything, God, anything, I want out. I want out, right? Send me to the Bahamas. That's my wish. Give me a hammock and an umbrella drink and let me sit in the sun. That is the temptation, isn't it? Don't we feel that from time to time? We have all these conditions placed on our lives and the world we live in, all these responsibilities that just weigh down on us. Sometimes we just want to go to the Bahamas and get away from it all. Just forget it. Solomon must have been feeling that way. So he thought about it. And it's at this point in the story where we know how he feels, but we're wanting to, to counsel him. we want to sit down with him. You know, pull up a chair, Solomon. Let's talk for a minute. Be careful here. Be careful. Be careful what you wish for. We want him to make the right choice. And he does. He does. He does. He does. He looks at God and he says, You know, you've given me these people, your people, your chosen people. There's more than can be counted. They're everywhere. They're like ants, they're just all over. I can't, I can't, I'm just a kid. I don't know how to do this thing. Give me a discerning mind, quite literally translated. Give me a listening heart, a listening heart that I may be their king, so that I may do what's right. So that's what God does. God gives him wisdom and goes way, God seems so pleased with the whole thing, just pours wisdom on him like nobody else. You're going to be the wisest king that's ever been, before or after you. No one will be as wise as Solomon and lets him, sets him loose with this great gift and keeps going, just gives him stuff he did, you're going to be wealthy and long life and everything. But then pops up that line that's haunted him from the moment, his last conversation with his dad. God says it here again to walk in my ways like your father. So Solomon becomes king. And he becomes the wisest king, I mean, in all the whole land. Everybody comes to hear him. You can't get a ticket to the arena if you wanted it. You just, everybody's packing them in, wants to hear Solomon speak. Did you hear what King Solomon said last week? Oh, yes, it completely changed my life. You know, that kind of street talk going on and all of the positives around that. He's just, he's written all, he writes all kinds of proverbs and songs and The kingdom grows and he builds the temple that his father had wanted to build for so long. He starts to follow in all the expectations, never really being his own person, always in the shadow of his father, but doing it. He builds this temple to beat all temples. Boy, I mean, this was the temple to be seen work on it and work on it. In the midst of working on it, of course, God's word comes to him again and says, walk in my ways just like your father. They keep working. They build. I mean, the labor unions are just ecstatic. Non-employment's at 0%. I mean, this is good times. And they finish the temple and it is big deal, boy. I mean, Solomon steps up there and he gives a grand speech to end all speeches. And then prays over the assembly, a prayer to end all prayers. I mean, there's nothing like it. And they throw a great big party all over Israel. I mean, Solomon has hit the big time. And that's when God comes to him once again. Just like in today's story God comes to Solomon and he says you've built my house and my heart will be in it my heart will be with the people forever but as for you walk in my way just like your father has done and then he adds a line if you don't If you turn away from me, I will remove Israel from the whole thing altogether. That's what he tells him. Wow. Would God really do that? Would God really take everything away? Is this the kind of condition... God operates in. Can Solomon? Maybe Solomon can do it. Can he do it? Can he pull it off? I mean, he's he's done really well up to now. He's he's made it this far. Maybe he can make it all. The, maybe he really can live up to this unreasonable condition that's been hovering over him all his life. We felt the weight of it. We felt the angst of it. Maybe he can do it. Maybe can he do? Does he do it? No. No he doesn't. His fame continues to grow. The kingdom continues to grow. But eventually the whole thing gets to be too much for him. Too big. Too much. He's got marriages in all kinds of different countries. One of the ways you bring kingdoms together is through that Practice of kings, these marriages in all kinds of countries, and they start to influence him something God warned him of. They start to influence him, and he turns away from the Lord. He turns away. And so we know what's going to happen next when we read that part of the story. You're like, okay, I guess it's all gone. God's going to take it away. It's what he said he would do. But he doesn't. God gets upset with Solomon, we're told, but when he comes to him that last time, he says to him, he says, I will not remove all the tribes of Israel. I will save the tribe of David, the one I have chosen. Now, I've told you all of that in order to tell you this. Solomon's story is one about conditions. He lives with these unrealistic conditions all of his life, placed on him by everyone it seems. It even feels like God is is a conditional kind of placing of that on his life and He has to live, he can't ever fulfill, no way could anyone fulfill these conditions, these expectations. He lives with that. And he comes to the very end, and interestingly enough, if you didn't notice it, he's able to pull it off. He actually doesn't need God all the way through. If you've noticed, he walked in the ways of the Lord. He did this. He did that. Solomon did this. Solomon did that. It's not until the very end when he starts to mess up, when the whole thing begins to unravel, that he actually needs God for the very first time. And what does he find in that moment when his greatest fear is that God will leave him Is he finds A God of grace. A God of grace. A God without conditions. We too live in a world filled with conditions. We grow up with them. We're dealing with them today some of the conditions of our world are frightening. We watch and we worry as North Korea runs more missile tests. We watch and we worry as our Congress just keeps arguing and demonizing one another like children in a playground. promising Promising that they know what's best for everyone almost like they have the wisdom of Solomon While our lives hang in the balance we watch and we worry, will we make it? We don't know. But the great message that is given to us in this story today, the great hope that is promised us throughout all of Scripture is that no matter what the conditions of our world are, this is a God who will not leave us. Oh, we'll have days when we feel like we are walking in the ways of the Lord like King David, boy, and we'll have other days where we won't give God a second thought. But if one thing is taught to us in the whole of the Bible, it's that God does not leave God is not conditional grace is unconditional it's a message that we can't hear enough these days and that's why we're here we come in here to remind us of that very thing, to be reminded, remind ourselves of that very thing, of that very phrase that God's grace is unconditional. This is an unconditional God. This is a God who will not leave. This is a God who in Jesus Christ loves us with an everlasting love and turns the shadow of death into the morning. The kind of God that surprises Solomon. That's why we're here. I'm glad you're here. It gives me hope.